Welcome back to another episode of the Government Transformation Show, the podcast for public sector changemakers. I'm Sam Birchall, Senior Reporter here at Government Transformation Magazine. And today I'm joined by two guests from Amazon Web Services, KJ Lian, Global Head of Data, and Deepak Shukla, Data and Analytics Lead in the UK public sector. As you'll hear from KJ and Deepak, Generative AI is one of the biggest areas of focus for their public sector customers globally. It's clear that organizations want to know how to identify appropriate use cases, how to build capabilities around this technology, and most importantly, how to experiment and embrace this technology in a responsible and ethical way. We delve into all of those questions, as well as some predictions and expectations for what the future holds for generative AI in this session. So let's jump in. So Deepak and KJ, welcome to the Government Transformation Show. Thank you very much for joining me today. Thank you, Sam, for having us on your program. Super excited to be here. So we're talking today about generative AI and the many variable, interesting, important ways it is impacting the public sector. And it's an area that AWS is playing in a lot right now. So really interesting to hear about kind of more where you're both seeing those opportunities, who those early adopters of this technology are, and what lessons we can learn from them. And this is an especially exciting conversation because we have two different perspectives on these questions. KJ, you're joining us from the States and Deepak, of course, from the UK. So lots to dig into today. Um, so let's start off at the beginning with some introductions. Um, KJ, as a, as a kind of new face on the podcast, could you talk us through what you do at AWS and, and how you work with the public sector? Absolutely, Sam. First of all, thank you again for having me on the program. My name is KJ. I'm currently serving as the global data sales leader for uh, Amazon Web Services focused on public sector. I have been with Amazon for over four years, based in the greater Washington, D.C. area at Amazon's HQ2. So super excited to be here. Thank you. Great to have you. And Deepak, of course, you've been on a few times, but for those who haven't seen those episodes, would you mind introducing yourself for, for those listeners? Yeah. Hi. Uh, hi, everyone. Uh, Deepak, I lead our data analytics business for the UK and Ireland public sector. So my role is to basically uh, bring in our latest thinking, thought leadership, innovation, services, AWS uh, is bringing in for our customers to ensure that our customers within the UK public sector are getting and maximizing the value from those. So I'm super excited to be here on the podcast again. Great. And, and good to have you both. So I want to get started. KJ, keen to get the lay of the land from you. How is generative AI impacting or going to impact the public sector? And, and what are the biggest global trends that you're seeing in this space at the moment? Sam, thank you so much for that question. You know, I, I hear a lot from our customers that they want to incorporate generative AI into their work stream. Almost 70% of our conversations with customers globally start with generative AI. The technology itself holds a lot of promise mm. and it's really a disruptor, uh, just like the internet was 30 years ago, right? So if I have to look at some of the trends and the themes I'm hearing. There are really three buckets I want to emphasize. The first one is uh, enhancing citizen experience. When we think about that, we think about chatbots, virtual assistants, or AI-powered contact centers that can provide quick responses to citizen inquiries and also help personalize their experience. The second one that I hear is ways to help boost employee productivity, whether this is doing document analysis and search. You know, if you think about it, a lot of public sector organizations have large amount of documents and content. Trying to get insights faster, you need, you know, AI or some kind of data management tool that can really help you get there. Another aspect of uh, 
deploy productivity is associated with task automation. Using generative AI, um, you can really help with a lot of repetitive tasks and allows employees to kind of focus on more complex tasks as opposed to the more mundane things. The third aspect of that is around information gathering. Right. So having generative AI will allow you to quickly search and gather information and then help extract certain insights from it fairly quickly. The other aspect of it is around risk analysis. You know, with a lot of data sources these days, whether it's from social media, video feeds, um, the Internet, all these information is coming at us at a really fast speed. So when it comes to cybersecurity and fraud detection, you need a, a modern data platform of sorts to kind of gather all this data and use generative AI to help identify certain patterns of behavior that can be highlighted to the right enforcement agencies to take action if needed. Mm -hmm. So those are some of the, the themes I'm seeing. Enhancing citizen experience, boosting employer productivity, as well as risk analysis. And that's amazing. Just wanted to highlight again that stat you mentioned at the beginning, kind of 70% of the conversations you're having, people are kind of starting with generative AI. And that's amazing to think that, that it's it's kind of front and center of the people of people's minds. So Deepak, uh, interested to hear kind of if this is reflective of, of some of the things you're seeing in the UK in terms of those trends and those opportunities. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, I mean, as KJ mentioned, I mean, there are like most of our conversations uh, with our customers, be it related to analytics, data, their digital transformation, they are all talking about how can we actually bring AI and generative AI at the forefront of the next wave of transformation they they're looking to drive. Now, in the UK, uh, you know, the Prime Minister's announcement of, you know, investing 100 million pounds uh, to make UK as the AI hub uh, you know, for the global uh, stakeholders it was a was a great step uh, where government actually pushed hard to, you know, ensure that AI is being adopted across the board and it is important for them. We know there is an AI safety summit happening in the UK as well in November. Uh, so there's a lot of traction from the government and a push there. At AWS, we've been engaged in a couple of ministerial level conversations as well around how actually, uh, you know, we can bring AI to improve employee productivity, you know, out of all the use cases KG was talking about, the one which is getting most traction in the UK is how can we actually make our civil service more efficient, improve productivity of our um, people, and how can they do more with the amount of resources they currently have. So this is the thing that, you know, government is really focusing on and they're pushing us hard on as well in terms of come up with ideas and thinking around how we can actually do something about it. Yeah. So I think employee productivity is the most important thing uh, that they are looking at from AI perspective in the UK. Mm. No, really interesting. Thanks for that, Deepak. Um, and KJ, keen to come back to you and just hear perhaps about kind of who are those kind of early adopters of generative AI in the public sector? And, and most notably, I guess, what have they been doing with it? What have they been doing well with it? Yes, Sam. Um, as I mentioned earlier, 70% of our conversations start with generative AI. But to your question, who are the early adopters? We see a lot of technology-focused ISVs or independent software vendors that serve the education sector as well as public sector tend to be the early adopters. Uh, there's a lot of uh, activity around building virtual assistants. In some cases, some of these ISVs are offering a flat fee to help organizations build customizable virtual assistants by leveraging their proprietary data. So trying to use these virtual assistants or chatbots to handle routine customer tasks and freeing up human agents for more complex issues. If you know 
some of these uh, organizations are operating in multiple countries. They use generative AI to help with real-time translation on websites and, you know, even customer support interactions. So um, ISVs are early adopters. Uh, some of the other use cases that we're seeing is, you know, associated with tech summarization. Education institutions sits on a lot of content. As, this is true of a lot of public sector entities, like in the U.S., the patent office. They they have tons of patents that need to go through. But in order, when people file new patents, uh, you need a way to kind of go through the existing patents to make sure that you're not infringing on them, right? So this is an example of how, you know, generative AI can be used in terms of search management and so on. Another way that people are using um, generative AI is associated with search engine optimization. By leveraging the technology, you can help generate uh, keyword-rich content that ranks well in search engines. So that's another way of looking at it. Education uh, technology companies, for example, they're also you know, considered uh, technology ISVs. They oftentimes also look at the students, the students that come onto their website to utilize the content they provide. They're also trying to create some personalized learning recommendations for these students to help them on certain topics or they're spending an extra amount of time researching on a particular subject. Generative AI can kind of make some suggestions, say, hey, you may want to look at this other content or that other content to help you get better at certain topics. So definitely a lot of exciting things happening in this space. Another area, and then I'll, I'll stop after this, this use case, is associated with code writing. A lot of these technology vendors write a lot of codes. So using generative AI, they can actually uh, make recommendations as they write through the code mm -hmm on certain things to correct, whether you're infringing on certain things, whether there's bias in your coding. So super promising technology, but uh, I'm going to stop there and uh, maybe let, let Deepak uh, chime in as well. Yeah, I mean, no, it was a kind of, as you mentioned, it's just really like a whole host of, of different opportunities out there. And I mean, Deepak, feel free to take this question, but I mean, what, what lessons can we specifically, can the public sector learn from, from these uh, specific a generative AI use cases right now? Yeah, I mean, the thing is, there is, uh, you know, we all are learning in this uh, Gen AI space, right? I mean, we must understand that uh, in a lot of instances, uh, we've seen our uh, customers trying to do things with generative AI, which they can actually do with machine learning and, you know, some of the existing AI capabilities that we have, right? So what we are looking at doing is, you know, ensuring that we are educating them so that they are using the right AI solutions for the problems they are looking to solve rather than jumping onto these large language models and generative AI models uh, for everything that they are looking to do. In terms of the use cases, search is an important one, right? So there are lots and lots of policies, documents, government employees have to go through to approve certain things from taxation perspective. So search is becoming very important. And, and they're asking us, right? Because if you look at Amazon as a company, Amazon has been using generative AI for many years, right? So this is something new for broader set of customers, right? But Amazon, if you look at amazon.com search, it is powered by large language models. Alexa is powered by large language models and generative AI as well. So what our customers are asking us is, you know, come up with the learnings that you had when you were building these products and, you know, releasing them uh, for your customers uh, so that we can get it right first time, right? So I think that is where uh, there's a lot of learning and sharing that we are doing as well as a part of this process. But again, I think, you know, as, as KJ highlighted, um, the art of the possible 
is immense, you know, from this technology. But we need to ensure that we are being cautious in terms of the things that we are adopting. And 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 we have like a right strategy in place yeah. uh, as we start adopting these technologies within the organization. And yeah, I guess just on that point, and, and, I, and I question really to both of you, but it, it seems that barely a day goes by without somebody identifying a new case for generative AI. And I think one of the challenges kind of given the breadth of choice and capabilities that this technology unlocks is, is well, how can public sector organizations actually identify appropriate generative AI use cases. I don't know if one of you want to want to take that question first. Yeah, Sam, that's a that's a great question. So we've been working with a lot of customers over the past 12 to 18 months. One of the things that we've learned is that we always start by asking, what are their use cases? How do they want to apply generative AI uh, into their work stream? Whether it's, you know, building new applications or leveraging existing application. We help them ideate on it. And then in some cases, we share examples and best practices. So if you think about it, right, in the healthcare space, generative AI can help staff automate data entry and processing tasks. This is particularly useful for tasks like categorizing maybe patient diagnosis data, uh, treatment, uh, prescription recommendations, and so on. So, you know, once you are able to, you know, take away some of the mundane tasks, they can work on more complex stuff. The other use case that we see a lot is also enhanced decision making. Uh, with generative AI, a lot of our customers can now analyze large amount of data and quickly provide that insight to them. And the third, third aspect is something that I talked about is around cybersecurity and fraud detection. With all the different data sources, uh, we now can leverage generative AI to help us identify risks and certain patterns of behavior and take necessary action when needed. And Deepak, did you want to add anything at all there? Yeah, I mean, I'll just, uh, you know, from an AWS perspective, uh, and it's more like an Amazon way of working as well, where, you know, we have customer obsession at the center of everything that we do, right? And we are applying similar principles here as well. You know, of course, our customers are kind of excited about generative AI and what this technology could do. But what we are doing is we are taking them back to the drawing board and working backwards with them in terms of understanding where will this move the needle? What is the problem that we are looking to solve, right? So that we are being realistic about the technology as well, right? So we are not doing something for just for the sake of doing it, but we are actually investing in and, you know, putting our energies into something which will deliver a good business value as a result, right? So, so that's something that, you know, we are working on. And I think something, you know, KJ mentioned earlier, which is around what is the business case for this, right? How is it going to change or to move the needle for the organization? So these are some of the few things that we actually look at, you know, to begin with as a part of this journey. Mm -hmm. And then we have some holistic frameworks, which we have developed as well, right? Because it we need to look at this from an end-to-end -end perspective, right? And we've learned from our experiences of doing this in Amazon.com, right? Where if you're just focusing on the part of the puzzle, then, you know, after a few months, all your excitement will go out for a toss and you, you know, you'll start realizing that I am actually not achieving the results I was expecting because we were not thinking holistically. So there is a whole lot of discussion we are having around working backwards with our customers around the business case uh, for these use cases. Do we have the right data to support these use cases? What's our data strategy to support generative AI? And do we have the right data foundation to support it is something we are looking at. Infrastructure is playing a big part as well. I mean, Gen AI has actually challenged the foundations of the 
cloud services we've been offering as well, right? We had actually released specific infrastructure services to support Gen AI use cases. Uh, because if you run Gen AI on our existing uh, infrastructure, you will be shocked by the amount of you know consumption bill you're going to see, right? So, so we've released services which are more than 50% cheaper uh, to support generative AI uh, workloads. And these are the things we are educating our customers on so that they understand that uh, they need to look at this holistically rather than just get excited by a particular use case yeah. they're working on. Yeah. Their work. No, really interesting. I think kind of on that, on that holistic point, um, kind of on that point about having to build those foundations, whether it's kind of governance or infrastructure, I think one of the things is also ensuring that the right skills and capabilities are there. So what would you advise are kind of some of those key capabilities that public sector organizations really need to build in or invest in to ensure that they are actually well positioned to leverage generative AI? Yeah, Sam, I'll take that question first. That's a very important question. You know, to answer that, I, I like to point to two things. Uh, there was an article on the, I, I want to say it's the Economist back in August, talks about how AI has really unleashed a mad scramble for data. The other aspect is from Gartner. Uh, Gartner put together a four pillar, the four pillars of AI strategy. They talk about skills, uh, assembling a set of talents pertinent to the use case. Uh, the second pillar is data, gathering the appropriate data that's relevant to the selected use case. Uh, the third pillar is technology, which is selecting the AI techniques linked to the use case. And fourth is organization, how you structure the expertise to accumulate that AI know-how. Now, if you look at the common theme across the the Gartner four pillars, as well as the Economist uh, article, it all points to data, right? So if I had to highlight the skill set needed, data literacy, I I think uh, is ranked up there in terms of skill set, whether it's um, hiring new talents from academia or startups or upskilling existing talent, it's very important. The other aspect is, you know, with generative AI, there's a a concept of prompt engineering, helping the, the large language model provide answers or examples of what you're asking uh, for specifically. So prompt engineering is another skill set that is needed. Mm-hmm. Uh, the third aspect, the third skill set, I think, which is you know very important, and, and Deepak, I know, has been talking quite a lot about it, is a responsible AI, right? Making sure that people understand that uh, we have to use AI in an ethical manner. I think, you know, combination of data literacy, prompt engineering, and responsible AI are important skill sets that will be in high demand in the years to come yeah and I think you kind of hit a point I was kind of hoping to move on to there but is I think I think for many people but especially government they face this battle between the desire to experiment with generative AI and the sort of persistent weight and, and concern about of getting it wrong and I wanted to ask you well how can they actually embrace and experiment with this technology safely as you said ethically and responsibly Right. Um, you know, Sam, uh, Amazon recently launched something called the Generative AI Innovation Center program. The the basis behind that program is that it pairs you with AWS science and strategy experts with deep experience in AI ML and generative AI techniques. The idea here is that um, that innovation center is to help customers identify use cases based on their business value and how to integrate generative AI into their existing applications and workflows and so on. It's really designed and meant for organizations that's looking for guidance in selecting and experimenting with generative AI use cases and also for guidance planning as well. So definitely a lot of resources that we're making available to customers who are interested in experimenting and trying out different things. 
Yeah, and, and, and Deepak, keen, keen to come to you kind of with this question as well. And I kind of considering once as well, throw in something you mentioned at the beginning, obviously, there's, there's there's all these concerns about how to deliver AI ethically and safely. And then we've got the context of the UK government's AI safety summit in November. Curious to hear from you, I guess, like AWS as a key player in this space, um, kind of what your expectations are about the upcoming summit and how big of a moment this will be for the public sector in terms of moving forward on responsible AI. Yeah, no, I think I think uh, I'm actually looking forward for that uh, AI summit in November. Uh, our Amazon policy team is very embedded into very much embedded into that whole summit, and we are preparing our point of views. We are engaging with our partners and the you know government um, stakeholders uh, around uh, supporting the government in the AI summit, you know safety summit. And responsible AI is the most important thing. I mean, I was presenting at a conference um, a few months ago, and I was talking about all the art of the possible from AI. They were like, you know, at least five or six questions came to me around the responsible AI, you know, and how are you managing managing the risks about, you know, if something goes wrong, who is accountable for it and how we're going to do that. And that is important thing, right? Because government, you know, if, for example, you if you see a lot of examples of hallucinations, right? Incorrect responses coming from some of these Gen AI models. And if these go out in public domain uh, and citizens are facing some of this, you know, government is accountable for that, then it can be like a make or break for the government. Uh, so these are some of the things that we are looking at. Now, that's the reason why one of the trends that I've been observing in the UK are public sector customers. They are focusing more on improving the internal efficiencies first using generative AI rather than focusing more on the public facing services, right? So, so what they're looking at is, is internally, they can manage with their own staff and improving efficiencies, uh, productivity of the internal stakeholders, which is less risky for them as compared to the citizen-facing services. And they are going to look at the citizen-facing services, uh, you know, in due course. So I think that is something that they are looking at. We have uh, developed our own framework around responsible AI as well, with seven pillars in it around fairness, bias detection, accountability, diversity and inclusion, uh, explainability, and all. The reality is that with generative AI, we cannot be sure about all of this. So there is a bit of unknown all the time because you're getting large volumes of data, uh, you know, uh, training your large language models. You can control the things to a certain level, but you will not have like 100% control of what will be the output. So there is that room of unknown within this as well. But I think the key thing here is being transparent and open about these risks as well, right? So which is what we are looking at uh, doing. And we've done this at Amazon for many years. So we know, you know, things have not gone well all the times, right? And and we just want to ensure that our customers understand this as well. But again, I think something KJ mentioned around the innovation center that we've just launched, that just highlights the thinking that we want industry to adopt, which is it's all about experimentation, innovation, learning, right? Don't try to get it right first time. You'll have iterations of you know, uh, of these models being refined over time, they will learn by themselves as well. And then at some point in the next few months and weeks and, and years, we'll start getting towards the maturity of these models, delivering real value for our stakeholders. Yeah, and I guess that's why the, the education piece that you both mentioned is so important, because I guess with something like generative AI, the art of what is possible in the world is, is it's constantly changing every day. So it's really important that 
kind of organizations can keep up with that. Um, and again, kind of creating spaces like the innovation center, as you mentioned, where you can kind of operate and experiment with this technology in a safe um, environment is, is really important. And I guess as well, the coming together as well of tech leaders, industry, government, I think we're going to increasingly see see more of that, more of that kind of true collaboration around this technology. Um, but but keen to bring it both back to, round back to both of you. Um, as I've mentioned, AWS is clearly carving out a space for itself in, in generative AI. Um, so keen to hear from both of you, kind of what are you most excited about when it comes to the opportunities for this technology and what kind of future developments are happening in the world of gen AI that, that governments um, should be aware of? Yeah, Sam, I'll take that question first. In, in, in meeting with customers, what's most exciting is the amount of money that is being poured into generative AI. Uh, a lot of governments are considering or, or have started building their own large language model. Um, if you look at certain countries with different ethnic groups or different languages uh, across uh, you know, the, the, the entire country, uh, there's a lot of value in uh, leveraging generative AI to kind of support their citizens and enhance their experience. So definitely a lot of um, uh, exciting stuff happening around that area. But the other thing I want to emphasize is on the regulatory front, right? After years of seeing very different approach from different governments and so on, we're starting to see a handful of regulatory approaches uh, associated with AI. You have countries like Australia and Japan, they're, they're really relying on existing laws when it comes to AI. And then you have the EU and Korea, for example, South Korea, introducing AI-specific regulatory frameworks, as uh, Deepak mentioned er earlier. And then uh, some of these uh, Middle Eastern countries that uh, we're seeing, they're completely banning the use of uh, generative AI uh, at 100%, right? So very different approach in how they look at technology and how they plan to leverage the technology. I think uh, generative AI will continue to be very important, uh, is making an impact. And you know, at AWS, we're committed to democratizing generative AI to make it available to every organization. Uh, for me, the most exciting thing, and this you know spans beyond government and enterprises, is you know looking and leveraging the content uh, uh, generative AI to automate content creation, whether it's uh, writing a poem, writing a, a story. Uh, a novel. Uh, it'll be exciting to see, um, it may not be too far away, that uh, maybe generative AI can write songs that can hit the top 100 of the billboard charts. Mm -hmm. They'll be super exciting for me. And Deepak, any kind of last comments from you on kind of what you're excited about seeing? Yeah, I mean, I mean, democratizing Gen AI is going to be the focus over the next few months uh, for us as well. At AWS, I think, you know, we've recently made investment in Anthropic, uh, you know, we've invested like $4 billion for our partners to develop some of these foundational models. So what we are now looking at is going into the next level of granularity of the use cases and building large language models focused on particular problems to kind of, you know, speed up the level of innovation industry is going through. Uh, so that's something that I'm very excited about. I think the key thing here is uh, there's a lot of discussion happening around data as well. So data is going to play a big differentiator 
around how generative AI and some of these applications mature within the organization. So we are having lots of conversation around what is the future of the data strategy organizations should be adopting in light of Gen AI applications, which are being built. So that's something, you know, uh, we're very excited about. I think overall, if we look at this, there is a lot of energy in the market around generative AI. There's a lot of initiatives uh, we are currently working through and, and some have started delivering results now right so i think you know now we are at the stage where we are now going to look at what we've done over the past six months and how that has actually planned out in terms of the value we've been able to deliver and what is it that we're going to do uh, going forward so we've got some exciting times ahead of us and and i think you know as kj mentioned we we are in a very good spot at the moment in terms of being uh, you know at the forefront of this exciting technology well thank you both for, for coming on the show that is unfortunately all we've got time for but you can catch AWS at our upcoming summit in November they'll be there talking all about the exciting opportunities for AI and generative AI and much much more so thank you both so much thank you sir thanks for having us